Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Some of you owe my man Joel Embiid an apology. In fact, a lot of you owe Joel an apology. Not me. I don't. Because that's my dude. And because I gave my dude his bleeping credit for his amazing season last year. Credit. And I called it. I said it. I said he should be the MVP. However, a whole bunch of people got all butthurt and outraged that he actually won the MVP. MVP. And I would imagine they're all still butthurt and outraged that right now he is the Vegas favorite to run it back and win it again. And by the way, that was true even before he put up a 70-piece last night. That's right. Joel scored 70. 70 points, 70 burger, 70 large. In fact, I think I'll let KD's reaction to finding out about that 70-piece speak for all of us. I don't know if you saw Joel and B had scored 70. Cat had 60. 70? Yeah. Joel had a 70 today. 50. Yeah, 70. So what did nights like tonight mean in the NBA? Good point. Well said, Katie. Well said. Bleep. 70's no joke. And Joel's not messing around either and has not been for the better part of a couple of years now. There's no better Joel mode than Troel mode. And Troel has been Troeling the hell out of his haters and critics for a long time now. And last night was his masterpiece. After that performance last night, my dude is now averaging 36.1 points per game on 53.9% shooting, and there's only been one season of 35-plus points per game and 50%-plus shooting since the NBA-ABA merger, and that was an MJ season. I mean, get the hell out of here with that. This dude's averaging 36 a night? He's averaging 36 a night. Averaging 36 tonight, but playing both ends of the floor now. Recommitting himself on the defensive end. 70 is a career high. It's also a Sixers franchise record. And he did it to Wemby and Pop. And I'm pretty sure that Wemby and Pop knew that it was going to be a rough night from the jump. I just don't think that they thought it was going to be that rough. Although maybe they did since Pop was already joking about it even before the game. We're going to hammer his ass. I told Wemby to stick him, put your butt right in his stomach, back him down over the rim, and just throw him through the rim. That's what you can look forward to tonight. Don't tell Wemby I said that. Pop, he's something, man. Has anybody ever had so much fun getting their asses kicked every single night? (laughs) Only Pop. That's funny. But yeah, but not to everybody. Because a lot of people somehow missed the joke. That was sarcasm. Incredibly obvious sarcasm. And I know a lot of geniuses on social media thought that Pop was somehow being serious. And started to get all aggro about it. But if incredibly obvious sarcasm wasn't incredibly obvious enough, here was his actual take. I don't think it matters what we do. I'll give you some bullshit if you want. He was right. It really did not matter what they did. 
Joel was going to get his last night. And right now, dude can get his like nobody else. So why don't we all just appreciate it instead of bickering about who the MVP should have been last year, who it's going to be this year? Like when I said last year that he was the MVP, I also said it was not a knock on anybody else. It was a really unusual year. It was not a knock on anybody else. I said that because it wasn't. We all know the Joker is an incredible player. And if he wins it again this year, nobody will be surprised. And nobody should be surprised. Just like we all know that Giannis is an incredible player as well. However, however, none of that means we should be taking Joel for granted. My dude Tyrese Maxey has my back on that one too. Can't take Joe for granted, man. What he's doing right now is special. And uh, he's not just doing it off layups. He's not doing it off just threes. He's not doing it off. He's doing it off every single thing. And uh, he's making free throws. He's doing so much out there. And, you know, the kicker is he's on the other end. He's anchoring the defense as well. You know, he's not taking any nights off on defense. So, you know, we appreciate him. And everybody else should appreciate him as well. Well said. I know I do. In fact, I appreciate both you dudes. However, however, maybe I lied. Maybe I wasn't fully truthful. Maybe I'm the one that needs to apologize to Joel. Because the fact of the matter is, I need to change gears right in the midst of talking about his historic night and talk about something else amazing that happened in the association last night. Joel, big fella, sorry about this, dude. Sorry about this, my dude. I know you got 70, but you do not get the entire segment. My bad. But I do have to get to the night that Carl Anthony Towns had. My bad, my My bad, my friend. My bad. Incredibly enough, Joe's 70-piece was not the only all-time franchise scoring record set in the association last night. It's just that the vibes around Cats' 62-point night in Minnesota could not be any more different or more opposite from the 70-burger vibes in Philly. The dude scores 62 points, and the mood after the game could not have been any worse. But incredible. At the same time, for starters, the Wolves lost. They lost on a night where Cat had 62. That's not great. They also blew an 18-point lead, which is below not good, to a bad Charlotte team, no less. And then the entire team got absolutely flamed by their head coach, Chris Finch, in his postgame presser, which was actually amazing. In fact, Chris Finch cooking his entire team in the postgame after Cat set that franchise scoring record might have actually been the best thing that happened in the NBA last night. Again, sorry, Joe. I mean it. He gets 70. Cat gets 62. But I think I'm most impressed with my guy Chris Finch because he was not at all impressed with Cat's 62. In fact, it kind of sounds like he absolutely hated every second of that 62-point night. Chris, what happened in this one to let it slip away? Well, I mean, it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball um, all the way through the game. So it really didn't slip away. It had been there from the jump. So this is what happens when you uh, have this type of approach. My dude, that's what I'm saying right there. Forget tossing Cat his flowers for a franchise record-setting night. My man, Coach Finch, just set those flowers on fire, stomped on them, and then took a big dump on the ashes. Quote, 
It was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. End quote. What a legendary thing for a head coach to say after a game. Any game, let alone that game. Let alone after a franchise scoring record game. Also legendary to be subbing a dude out for defense in crunch time on a night that that same dude set the franchise scoring record. I mean, I love all of it. Like, he didn't just bench the salt. Bench the salt. But he did bench a dude in the midst of setting a franchise record for most points in a game. Incredible. But not as incredible as doing that and then lighting his own team on fire for being, quote, disgusting and immature. Absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. A disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. That might be my favorite NBA line ever from an NBA coach. Ask me. That really is a quote for the ages. Calling his defense disgusting is already awesome, but chasing that with we played immature basketball makes it legendary. The dude's like, the standard is the standard, but that ain't our standard. Unless our standard is playing disgusting defense and immature basketball. My man, (laughs) my man, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I so feel your pain. It's like we're living the same life, you and I. You want to see disgusting and immature, coach? I present to you the clones. Disgusting and immature. All right, so listen up. The other day, I came across a product that all of you All of you should be carrying around. It's something different for fresh breath. It's this amazing product called Zellman's Minty Mouth. And I'm telling you, it is a game changer. Listen, if you're up in somebody else's grill, making your case for whatever it might be, make sure your breath is fresh. Zellman's cleans your breath in a way that other mints don't and can't. Because it's not a mint. It's not just a mint. It's a functional breath freshener capsule that you swallow clinically tested against the toughest offenders, even garlic and onions. Just pop two or three in your mouth. Suck the minty coating, then swallow the capsule for the confidence of fresh, clean breath that lasts for hours. I'm telling you, this product is like nothing else you've ever tried. It fights bad breath in your mouth, and then it goes down to your gut. The ultimate hack to get rid of coffee garlic, or smoker's breath that strong. You're going to love having the confidence of long-lasting fresh breath or your money back guaranteed. They will give you your money back. Not that you're going to want it, but they will. They have free shipping. If you order three packs or more, trust me, you're going to want more. I know this. And nobody likes to pay for shipping. What you want to do is go to Zellman's.com right now. That's Z-E-L-M-I-N-S.com. You'll get 15% off when you use my promo code Rome. That's Z-E-L-M-I-N-S.com. You have to use the code Rome to get your 15% savings. R-O-M-E. Do it now. Hell. Immature bastard. Never mind my audience, coach. I present to you my staff. No names mentioned. James Kelly. Disgusting. And probably the most immature adult I've ever met in my life. So I do feel your pain, Coach. Hell, at least you're still on top in the West. And just had one really disgusting and immature night. Hell, I live this crap every 
damn day. <laughs> this is where I live. That's not all he said, though. He also said that they were just hunting a big number for Cat. But it wasn't just Cat that he had a problem with. Like I said, there's a lot of ways to be immature. There's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the, the roster. We totally disrespected a, the game ourselves. Um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So. Let me save you clones the trouble. All together now, I see cat mate. Sorry, now you're done. <laughs> this guy, back to uh, Finch. Man, he is, <laughs> thank you, Alvy. Man, my man is such fire, and he's so right. There are a lot of ways to be immature. And again, I know that better than anybody because you clones demonstrate every last one of those ways every single day. Look, if any of that sounds harsh or over the top from Finch, it really isn't. I couldn't be more behind this guy for what he said because this is not just any Wolves team in the middle of any Wolves season. In fact, if you check the Western Conference standings right now, you might be shocked to find out the Wolves are currently sitting on top. They're number one in the West. They've got the best record in the West right now. They're having one of their best seasons ever right now, thanks in large part to their head coach. And their head coach has got much bigger goals than just running up the point tally for Cat. Y yes, clones, I know. I see Cat, mate. We see Cat, mate. Finch is doing exactly the right thing, holding them to that standard. There's only one thing to say when your team barely shows up and doesn't do anything but try to feed one player going for a scoring record like they're playing NBA 2K or something like that. Only one thing you can say, and Finch said it. But if you don't believe me, take Ant Edwards' word for it. And yes, I'm a huge Ant Edwards guy too, but my dude last night scored just nine points on 3 of 11 shooting but at least he owned it afterwards, and he essentially copped to just about every last thing that his head coach said. He wasn't focused from the jump at all. He was never focused. Cat just had a great night. Mm -hmm. He wasn't focused. Though. He started out, obviously, he started out on fire. Did you think that it turned, the focus turned from winning the game to just trying just to get trying him? Just trying to get him, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, once he hit his first six, seven shots, I think everybody was pretty much just trying to see him go get 100 points. I knew I was, so. That's an incredible thing to say. I don't know if you followed that. He said after he hit his first six or seven shots, everybody was just trying to see if we could get him at 100 points. I know I was. It's like our dude was feeling it. He hit his first six or seven shots, and then all of a sudden the entire team just went into wilt mode let's get him 100 let's get him a c note man no wonder finch is so mad of course chris finch was going to react terribly to that i mean i give Ant so much credit for admitting that we were just trying to get our guy 100 so chris finch was going to react terribly to that because any nba coach would react terribly to that it's the coach's job to react terribly to that, especially when he's coaching a team that actually does have something to play for, a team that's actually in the midst of one of their best seasons ever. And if they're going to get there, they can't be having nonsense nights like that, losing to a team like that. 
because they're trying to get their guy 100 and blowing an 18-point lead. I'm telling you, man, it's so funny. Not to him, it's not. Hey, look, listen, I believe in their breakthrough, for the record. This has been a big Wolves house since Finch got there, and it's a big Aunt Edwards house. And I've always been a big cat guy myself. Yeah, I know, I see cat, mate. We see cat, mate. And the truth is, even after last night's debacle, because of last night's debacle, I'm even more hyped on the team because of what their coach said. I loved it. Loved everything about what he said. It was just a very different tune from what Nick Nurse said following the Sixers game. In fact, the aftermath of Joel's performance could have been any more opposite from the aftermath of Cat's performance. And there is one reason for that. The Sixers actually won. Joel actually played some defense to go along with that 70-burger. And he will also accept any of your apologies on the side, although he doesn't really need them. He's more than happy to keep going Troel on all your asses. What a wild night. Disgusting defense and immature basketball. I mean, it's almost like a Jameis situation. He had to have been telling them, hey, 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 stop. Stop hunting. Stop hunting points for Cat. Defend somebody. Make the extra pass. Hey, can you look up at that scoreboard? We did have an 18-point lead. It's almost like they just collectively decided, no, we're going to get our guy the record. Come on, coach. It's a long-ass year. right? What's one game matter? What's a game against Charlotte matter? One, it's not like we're going to lose. They did. And who cares in the big scheme? We got our guy the record. Yeah, but you didn't get him 100. In fact, you didn't even come close. You didn't even get him what Joel got last night. What a great night in the association. Give me more of that. Give me more of that. I don't need in-season tournaments. I need teams forgetting what their concept is all about and feeding their guy to get him a franchise record and then the head coach lighting them on fire and calling them disgusting and immature. You want me to pay more attention to the regular season? Give me that. Disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. And, And how awesome was it that at the end of the game, Cat was reinserted, had a look at a three-pointer to tie the game, and missed by like 15 feet. Just airballed it on a night when he got the record. When all they did was get him the ball to shoot it, he gets the last shot and draws nothing but air. Disgusting. <laughs> Incredible. So again, if I had to rank these things, From top to bottom, my favorite thing that happened last night, Chris Finch. Then Joel. Joe, sorry about that, my man. I'm sorry about that. And then Cat. And then Cat missing that last shot. And then Ant admitting we tried to get him 100 because he made his first six shots. NBA action. It's fantastic. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. 
all beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? He is a good friend of the program. He is Dan Wojcicki. Dan, good to have you back. What's going on, Dan? How are you? Jim, I'm good. It's always good to hear from you. You too. Appreciate you doing it. So before we get to the Lakers, Dan, you know the league as well as anybody. So I want to get your thoughts on what we saw last night. A wild, wild night in the association. Joel getting his, Cat getting his, his coach losing his mind, even KD having a night but getting lost in the shuffle. What were your biggest takeaways from a wild night in the association last night? Yeah, it's funny. So I was doing TV here in L.A. last night um, you know, on, on the Lakers uh, RSN, and um, the the scores are coming through, and, and I turned to Mike Bresnahan, who used to be the Lakers beat writer for the L.A. Times, and my initial thought was like, I don't know if you can build an NBA team around defense anymore. <laughs> it just seems like there's just too much size. There's just too much skill. I, I think it's not a coincidence that the three players we're talking about are all over six foot eleven. I mean, really, Kevin Durant's seven feet tall. So you got three just gigantic players um, with the ability to score at all three levels, with the ability to go to the line. Like, I was watching Joel Embiid in that game, and it was like, I mean, like San Antonio's defense was comical against him, right? Like, I mean, they didn't have a prayer. Um, he could have shot a 1,000 free throws in that game. And, and it was, to me, that was my initial sort of reaction was that this, like, the quality of offense in this league is so, so good right now that it's either going to take some level of rule intervention or some defensive genius to figure this out, or, or we're going to see more games like this, maybe not 70 and 60 on the same night. But, I, I mean, I think the skill is only getting better. I think you make a really interesting point about we may need to see a rule intervention. Hey, listen, I love the offense, but I can't lie to you. I'm kind of caught up in the drama of a team trying to get their guy the record and totally disregarding the coach, and then the coach melting down afterwards and calling the team's effort defensively disgusting and then playing immature basketball. What did you make of that whole scene? Well, you're not. I, this is you're you're speaking to a very big Chris Finch fan. Me too. Oh, no, I let uh, Let me be real clear about this. Sorry to interrupt. I love him. Absolutely yeah, love you, him, and I love yeah. his reaction. Go ahead. Yeah. No. And I think it, what it does is, I mean, it it is sort of the Carl Anthony Towns story in a nutshell, right? Which is like this is a player whose talent has never been questioned, ever by any evaluator around the league, but like who people like sometimes wonder about his toughness. They wonder about what he does towards winning. And on the night that he has the best game of his entire NBA career offensively, his team loses to the lousy Hornets. Um, you know, the coach lights into their effort. Um, he disrupts winning. He disrupts um, just everything with, like, you know, what Chris Finch called, like, selfish basketball. Um, sort of a perfect microcosm of, like, the, the pitfalls, I guess, around Carl Anthony Towns. He's one of those players that comes up a lot when you talk to – GMs and assistant GMs about like who's the big name that could be on the move at some point in the near future. Um, but these are the reasons why like there aren't like a ton of people out there salivating. Um, it is stuff like this. Like he's good enough 
good enough to score 60 and bad enough to get you beat on the same night, apparently. Dan Wojcicki joining us. So where does that leave them? Like his reaction, do you think that Finch was upset because he told them, hey, come on, man, stop doing that? Or was he trying to send a message? Like, like lo and behold, they are the best team in the West right now. They yeah. are on top of the West. Is that like him trying to interrupt some pattern? Like, guys, we're not having that. This is not what we're about. Yeah. We're in the midst of something I, really special. Yeah, that's what I think it is, is that this is sort of like it is the time to put childish things behind you. Like, we are good. We are really, really good. And these are the kinds of things that get you beat down the road. Um, You know, losing to Charlotte in January, like, won't define the Minnesota season. Um, But losing to the eight seed in, you know, late April, early May will. And, And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to take a team that has never really wanted any real clip. You know what I mean? They have the experience last year playing Denver in the playoffs, but, you know, and going through, I guess, the play-in tournament. But, like, it's never really, like, won in, like, an all-capital letters type of way. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to take that team and you're trying to say, like, here, like, let's get, like, let's start working this now. Let's accelerate our process. Our window is open. We are no longer building. We are there. So, like, let's not screw it up. Right. We're there as long as we don't do things like that. Dan Wojcicki is joining us. So you'll be covering the latest battle for L.A. tonight between the Lakers mm-hmm. and the Clippers. A couple of teams going in opposite directions. James Harden, Dan, did not bring his fat suit and drag them down. Quite the opposite, actually. They've been climbing up the standings since his arrival. Are you buying the Clippers as legit championship contenders? I am. Uh, I think, Jim, you know, it's funny. I was not a huge proponent of the James Harden trade at first because I didn't really – I thought he was too, like – there's too much duplicity in terms of guys who needed the ball and, you know, different things like that. But, like, they've really gotten into a rhythm that isn't just sort of like, all right, James Harden, you go for six minutes. All right, Paul George, you go for six minutes. Like, they're actually playing, like, pretty good team basketball. Um, they have a lot of size. They have a lot of wings. They have um, shooting – defensive versatility they have size um they have a championship level coach you have a championship level star in Kawhi Leonard um I know what James Harden's issues have been in the playoffs before but this is the most firepower he's had around him since he was on the Thunder um like yeah I I, you know I was wrong I was like flat out wrong about it I think um you know it was a great trade for the, the the Clippers they didn't give up a lot to get it done and um, they're in excellent position. Yeah, listen, I think most of us felt that way about Harden, and most of us were wrong, and you're right. They, they're playing really good ball. Let me ask you about the Lakers, because, Dan, they've mm-hmm. been scuffling of late. Is it that dreaded in-season tournament title hangover that so many teams before them have suffered from, or yeah. is it something else? Yeah, I mean, history has shown, Jim, if you win that in-season <laughs> right. tournament – your wallet just gets too fat. It's, it's too hard to jump. Um, it's funny. you know. Everybody a, wants to get paid after they win that thing. That's right. That's right. You know, everybody's a little high on the hog. I, it, it, it's, you know, these sound like excuses, and, and like, in isolation, they all are. Um, the in-season tournament did take a lot out of them. Um, they played very hard. Um, good for them. It was fun. It was a good trip. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching enjoyed covering it. Um, but it also came at a time when the schedule was brutal. They were traveling all the time, like in this weird way where they were gone for four or five days in the Midwest, home for two, gone again for six days, home for two, um, you know, traveling alongside the team. Like it was exhausting. I was exhausted and I don't do anything on the road. Um, certainly don't, don't exercise. Um, and then I think, you know, thirdly, like the teams they were playing were better. Their schedule got harder. Um, you know, you mentioned Minnesota. They played them twice in that stretch. They played the Thunder twice in that stretch. 
Um, Philly's in that stretch. Boston, um, you know, Dallas is in that stretch twice. Like they played a lot of really good teams and didn't have the the right energy, didn't have the right mindset, didn't have the right urgency against those teams. Um, I think though that all of that being said, it did expose some of the issues with this roster um, and kind of the fact that they've left a lot of found money on the table in the, in the sense that, you know, to date LeBron James and Anthony Davis have both been relatively healthy. I know LeBron won't play tonight with the ankle injury, but you know, these guys have been on the court and they've played really good basketball and um, you know, 500 probably isn't good enough to show for how good, particularly how good Anthony Davis and how reliable he's been. Dan Wojcicki, my guest. Dan, leave me with this thought. I mean, there have been reports that the players and coach, Darvin Hammer, are not on the mm-hmm. same page. There's some sort of disconnect there. You're around that team every single day. Do you see any of that? Yeah, I mean, but I think it's hard to know, like, how much of it isn't just losing, right? Like, I think that's always the type of thing, is that when teams lose, fingers get pointed in a lot of directions. And um, during that last month, like, everybody was a very unhealthy, a very unhappy place to work. And I think that everybody would tell you that, um, you, you know, you do have this kind of, you know, dynamic where you have Darvin Ham, who, you know, is still a new head coach, relatively speaking, and you have an experienced team with expectations coming off of, um, you know, a surprise run to the Western Conference Finals. Like, I don't think anybody expected them to be in this position, uh, certainly not internally, where they're, they're back in this play and hunt, they're back talking about major roster changes and different things like that. And, you know, there's been frustration. There's been frustration with the rotations and frustrations with the changes in starting lineups. Um, and Darvin Ham's defense, a lot of that has to do with injuries, but also a lot of it's had to do with indecision and like kind of trying to figure out the right mix of guys. It's, it's been a lot of things, Jim. I, I kind of tend to tell people that I don't think complex problems have simple solutions. And it's sort of like, this is a team that needs to get right on a few different fronts. Do you think, and Rob Palenka did a great job, Dan, last year of reshaping that roster on the fly, can he make or do you expect him to make any dramatic changes before the deadline? I think they're, I think they're going to be active. Um, you know, I, I do think that it, it'll be tough. You know, DeJounte Murray is the name um, that I hear most. Bruce Brown is another one. I do think DeJounte Murray is, is a, would be a significant type of addition, um, not just for this year, but for like kind of the foreseeable future in this team. But we just saw today with the Terry Rozier deal, you know, that that's a first round pick to get Terry Rozier with Kyle Lowry. D'Angelo Russell's contract is not expiring. Um, he has, you know, a player option for next season. So, you know, you're gonna need to Atlanta doesn't want that. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to attach something to that to get him somewhere in addition to whatever, you know, Atlanta's gonna want for DeJounte Murray, who's certainly I think a tier above um Terry Rozier. So the price might be too steep for the Lakers. I don't know. They they've talked They've, they've had really substantial discussions. I'd imagine they'll revisit them, but I think the market's going to have to come back to the Lakers a little bit and closer to the deadline. Hey, Dan, I got about 30 seconds. How's B. Arthur, the dog? Oh, Jim, he's great. Um, still, still a total spaz. Um, real bad anxiety issues. But, like, what do you expect? You named the dog after a golden girl. Like he's going to have mental issues. Right. He is a Lakers beat writer for the LA Times. He served as a national NBA writer for the paper as well. Also covered the Clippers for the register. He is Dan Wojcicki. Dan, thanks so much. Great to have you on. That was fun. Jim, I'll, I'll make sure Mr. B knows you were asking about Please him. do. Please do. I'd appreciate that. All my best to Mr. B. He did name his dog B. Arthur. <laughs> Dan Wojcicki. The dog has anxiety, but what would you expect from a dog named after a, quote, gold? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. 
New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly. How do you like that? All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code Rome, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, you do have to use my code Rome, R-O-M-E. The crown is yours, and you do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So, Lions fan, I still did not forget about you. You got some good run yesterday, and you got some really good calls from the D. Really good calls. But you probably didn't get the run you deserved, given that you're now in the NFC Championship game. More NFC Championship appearances than the Dallas Cowboys in the last 30 years, too, by the way. How about that? One. Cowboys haven't been since 95, but the Lions are. So, no, you didn't get enough run on this show. At least that's what you would probably say. And I can't say that I disagree, Lions fan, but I would say this. I would say this to you, Lions fan. You have the mafia's misery to thank for that. You would have gotten a whole lot more run and a lot more attention if not for the Bills' mafia's misery. So, Lions fan, just be happy that you're not the miserable ones this time. If only the mafia misery could be canceled out somehow by Lions euphoria. It wasn't yesterday. But if it could be, or would be, Buffalo would be a much happier place right about now. But that's not how it works, right? The mafia misery isn't even cruel and unusual at this point. Because, I hate to say it, it's become pretty routine, pretty typical. What I'm saying is, it is cruel, but it's usual. It's cruel, but it's inevitable. Inevitable. Which is somehow, some way worse. And I made the point yesterday, Mafia, I hate to be the one to point this out, but that window, that championship window, it may have already slammed shut. And then when I went off the air... Josh Allen was saying, no, no, it hasn't. Not, not in response to me, but just in response to this notion that that was their last best chance of this regime. He said, no, we're good. We're good. And what he said was, I still believe in myself. I always will. And I believe in what we have going on here. I know next year's team is going to look different. But no, the window is not slammed shut. Hey, hopefully not. But that to me was their best shot. Now, if it's any consolation to you, Mafia, I'm sure Lions fan felt the exact same way not that long ago. And then all of a sudden, their team started hosting and winning playoff games. And now all of a sudden, they're in the NFC Championship game. It's incredible. Now, Lion fans, I know some of you think, because I heard the phone calls, not only is it incredible, but some of you are so caught up, you think there's no way you can lose in Santa Clara Sunday. Hell, from the sounds of some of your phone calls yesterday, some of you think you already won that game. 
and not only are making plans to go to Vegas for the Super Bowl, some of you think you've already won the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that these things can't happen. I'm not. I'm not saying that you can't beat the Niners. I'm not saying that you can't win the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm looking at the Lions, and I'm looking about how tough they are, how physical they are, the swag they play with. And frankly, anything is possible. But not to be the wet blanket here or the cooler. You are touchdown dogs for a reason. So let's just not get ahead of ourselves. Just relish in the moment. Enjoy every second of being in the midst of an actual, legit, deep playoff run. Enjoy every second of it. Every second counts. Every second matters. Enjoy every second. Well, except for maybe the last few seconds of that win Sunday. Lions fan, I'm guessing if you were incredibly stressed out during those last kneel downs that ultimately sent your team to the NFC Championship, I can't blame you for that. Because the Lions somehow fudged the hell out of those massive kneel downs. The Lions left their entire asses exposed. I mean, it could have gone really badly. I've got no idea how exactly this happened, but Jared Goff took that final kneel down with 37 seconds left in the game, which would have been fine if Tampa couldn't stop the clock. But the thing about that is the Bucks could. They still had a timeout, which means, and just follow me on this, and I'm sure you've thought about this or heard about this. But what that means is they could have forced a Detroit field goal attempt with more than 30 seconds left. If that field goal misses, Tampa gets the ball back with about 30 seconds left at their own 35 in a one-score game. Now, not the greatest scenario. I'm not saying that would have been a high percentage scenario for Tampa. I'm certainly not saying they would have won the game. I'm not even saying they would have moved the ball even a single inch. I'm just saying that game was not over. That playoff game was not over. Never mind it. Game. Playoff game. Playoff game with a chance to play in the conference championship. That game was not over. So why the hell did Tampa act like that game was over? Why the hell did Todd Bowles not use his last time out? The hell was he doing walking off that field with a timeout left in his back pocket? I mean, to quote the great Andrew Brandt, what are we even doing here? What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? What am I doing here? Like, what am I here for? I mean, hard enough to imagine conceding defeat in the regular season. Like, never give up on anything. But who just decides, hey, man, we're good. Who cares? It's not like we're going to win this game anyway. Why even try? In a playoff game? <laughs> who the hell would think that? I'll tell you who. Todd Bowles, unfortunately. That's who. They already had a field goal and lined up, and it would have been about 12 seconds left on the clock to end the ball game. We weren't going to come back from that. No sense of prolonging the obvious. My man, I, I don't even know where to start. Like, dude, you did such an amazing job with this team this year. An amazing job. Nobody thought they'd be where they were. But that is an all-time terrible take. No sense in prolonging the obvious? They were already lined up for a field goal? We would have had 12 seconds left? My man, did you have someplace you had to be? Someplace you had to go? 
No sense in prolonging the obvious. You mean giving your team one last chance to win the game? I mean, a long shot, but a chance. All anybody ever wants is a chance. We've seen some crazy bleeping things happen. A chance to win the game with a trip to the NFC Championship game hanging in the balance. Is that what you're saying? Why prolong that? Why give the team a chance for that? Who the hell knows what might happen? Anything could happen. Unless you just give up and you take that timeout with you on the flight to Cancun. Then you know what can happen? Nothing. Nothing. And I got to say, my guy, and again, I want to reiterate, you did a hell of a job this year. I hate that this season ended on this note for you, given how good of a job you did. But my man, your math was off as well. There would have been a lot more than 12 seconds left on the clock. There would have been if you use your timeout. But even if there were only 12 seconds, would giving up still be okay? Giving up at the end of a playoff game? Because you don't want to prolong the obvious? Giving up with time left on the clock. Any time left on the clock. Because there is no sense in prolonging the obvious? Are we being serious here? If there's one second left on the clock. Listen, I don't want to get on this guy. Because again, he did an amazing job this season. Nobody thought that team was going to be anywhere near an NFC Championship game. And they were. And he had that team prepared to play. A solid game, a good game, in a really hostile environment in Detroit. But giving up and saying that actually trying to win would have been, quote, prolonging the obvious. No sense of prolonging the obvious. That, that just makes no sense at all. It's a brutal way to end the season. A brutal note to end the season on. I mean, just go ahead and ask Bucks fan, because it's been a massive topic in Tampa since. Bucks fan can't believe that the dude ate his last time out. And I can't blame Bucks fan for feeling that way. Again, I'm not saying, hey, Detroit, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that you would have lost that game. I'm not saying Tampa Bay would have won that game. I'm saying just play the game out. Finish the game. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Let's go to Tampa quickly. Ryan in Tampa. Good to have you, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Jim. Appreciate it. Uh, quick pet, or quick congratulations on 30 years of Jungle Glory, 30th smack up coming up to you, the XR4TI, Dodger Jano, Logan Rome, and the other one. Takes a group effort, commitment from everybody. I uh, appreciate you guys. I became a, a listener about six years ago, largely because of your Baker takes. Uh, he's my favorite athlete. Uh, to the thing about bowls, we actually absolutely could have come back. I saw Baker – against Burrow, Burrow's rookie year when he was in uh, Cincinnati and Baker's in Cleveland. Burrow went down, scored 27 seconds to go, no timeouts. Baker went 80 yards for the touchdown to win. This year in Buffalo, we threw a Hail Mary to end the game. It hit Goblin, not a tip ball, nothing, untouched. Hit Goblin right in the stomach. He just wasn't looking back to catch the ball. But um, anyway, that's all I got him out. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Ryan. Thank you very much. All fair points. I mean, you never know. 
And especially Baker, give your guy a chance. Give your team a chance. <laughs> Why prolong the obvious? Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Did you know one in four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced? O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery for free. If your battery needs to be replaced, our professional parts people can help you find the right super start battery for your vehicle and budget. Don't wait. Get your battery tested for free today at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Glover Quinn. Glover, it's been a minute, but it's great to have you back on, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Good, dude. Good. So let me ask you, as a former star player for the Lions, who is still repping the D hard, how hyped are you about this Lions team and for the opportunity they have this weekend in Santa Clara in the NFC title game? Man, this is uh, this is crazy, honestly. It's just super exciting to, uh, to see what this team has, has done, uh, everything they've achieved and accomplished this year. And, you know, to be able to go out there and, and, and watch it live, um, be there in this moment to take it in. I mean, it's just exciting. You know, it's a long time coming, and I'm just really happy for these guys, man. You know, I'm glad you brought that up that you were out there to see it live. Like, you were at Ford Field for both playoff wins, and I saw you try to capture some of that incredible vibe on social media. Like, you were a part of some big wins in that stadium, but did anything in your career come anywhere near how loud and electric that joint has been in this playoff run? Um, I mean, I can't really say that we got anywhere close to that. I know we had um, 2016, I think we had a winner-take-all game against uh, Green Bay uh, the last game of the season. That one was a pretty big game in that moment. Um, but, I mean, the level that the stands are, the fans are right now, and, the, and the, you know, the environment that's in four field right now, it's, it's, it's unmatched to what, you know, I've seen or been a part of. And so... It's just like I said. It's a lot of pent up energy, a lot of a lot of pent up cheers that um, that's coming out right now, and you know the the guys are feeding off of it. Um, it's just been a beautiful representation of the city, and I think it just shows that man. You know, you just stick with it. Hard work eventually pays off. Sometimes it takes longer than others, but it eventually pays off, and it's just you know great for the city, great for the community. And um, like I said, I'm just really happy for these guys. I agree with you. Glover Quinn's joining us. I agree with you. I think it's great for the community. It's great for the city. I think that's a great football town that's been waiting a long, long time. You know what's interesting to me? Like, we talk about the Patriot way. We talk about, I had Kyle Van Noy on yesterday. We talk about the Raven way. It seems to me like there is now becoming a Lion way, but it's a different sort of way, right? Can you get into this? Like, it's a super physical kind of way. Like, it's a really physical brand of football. It may not be for everybody but there's a certain way they go about doing it and the way they win. Is that the way you see it? And can you describe that and break that down? I mean, I think, you know, Dan Campbell has came in and and really put his stamp on this team. And Dan Campbell really represents the the city of Detroit, really, in in his whole demeanor, his work ethic, hard-nosed, gritty, blue-collar. That's the city of Detroit. You know, it's a bunch of hard-working people they just put their head down and just grind it out. And that's the type of team that he's built. And that's the type of culture that he's created. And I think when you play for the team like that, you're fighting for so much respect. You're fighting for so much uh, national respect. So you just kind of have that chip on your shoulder and you just go out and you just do things in a real Detroit type of way. And I think that's what the city is about. You know, 
the the Detroit city doesn't get a lot of great reviews nationally, and so to have this opportunity to showcase how great the city is, how great this team has become, and just continue to have that chip on your shoulder is is exactly what Dan Campbell is, exactly what this team is, and is exactly what the city is. Glover Quinn joining us, breaking it down. So when you look at that matchup, as I mentioned, it's a tremendous opportunity. Now, San Francisco is a one seed and a one seed for a reason. What areas do you think the Lions can exploit against the Niners? Where do you give them advantage or the advantage over San Francisco? You know, at this point, I think it's just it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be a tough game. I think you know the 49er team, their defense, they they've been great all uh, all year. You know, offensively, they've been well. They have weapons all across the board. Um, I think the thing for the the Lions, they got to really play their game. They got to do what they've done to get here. They got to run the ball well. They got two incredible running backs in Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. They got to do that. Jared Goff has to continue to play exceptional in the playoffs. Hasn't turned the ball over yet making great throws, great reads, understanding what's going on. Amon Rossine Brown's going to have to do what he do. Um, Sam Laporte is going to have to do what he do. I think they're going to have to get maybe one or two big plays over the top to Jamison Williams to help open up some things underneath and penetrate that defense. And then offensively, I think, you know, if Debo Samuel doesn't play, that really, really, really slows down the 49ers offense. And, and I feel like that gives the, the Lions defense – you know, a little advantage over them. They got plenty of weapons as well. Christian McCaffrey, obviously, Brock Purdy, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, all these guys. They have guys, but Debo Samuel is really what makes that, that offense tick. So I'm really watching to see what his status is going to be. And if he can't go, I, I think that, that definitely boosts the lines a little bit more. And you beat me to it. I was going to ask you about that because we don't know about his status and we're not going to know about his status. But as many playmakers as they have, there's nobody like Debo Samuel. Like, how different is that offense without him? We saw them go 0-3 earlier in the year. Trent Williams obviously also was down. That hurts. But how different is that Niner offense without Debo? Uh, they're very different. You know, I think that just takes that just takes more eyes uh, off of him and on to other guys like a George Kittle and like a Christian McCaffrey. And I think, you know, when you look at a guy like Debo Samuels who can take a short pass and turn it into a long touchdown, you know, George Kittle is a is a very explosive tight end as well. But I think you're okay with George Kittle having seven or eight catches for 45 to 50 yards, maybe even 80 yards. I think you're okay with that if you can keep the big plays off of you from Christian McCaffrey and you can keep the big plays off of you from a Brandon Ayuk. And so I think they'll be okay with George Kittle having that type of day if they don't have to deal with Debo Samuel and we can slow down Christian McCaffrey. So adding Debo Samuels now, that opens up more things for George Kittle because your focus really has to be on Debo and all the different things they can do with him in the backfield, out wide, he's in the return game. He really opens up a lot. I mean, you look at the three-game losing streak that the 49ers had earlier in the season – Debo Samuels was absent for all of those games. So he really, really makes that offense go. I'm not surprised, dude, but you are on it. Glover Quinn joining us. You know, let me ask you about the running backs that you mentioned. Two really good running backs. I want to ask about Jameer Gibbs. A lot of draft analysts thought that the team reached in taking him number 12 overall. Do those same analysts owe him an apology? And what has he meant to the offense? I mean, he, yeah, I mean, they definitely owe him apology, but at the end of the day, I, I, I saw him, and I saw him in Alabama. I liked this, I liked this style, I liked this game. And then when we drafted him, I was like, wow, that's a really, really, really good pick because 
you need guys like that. He's so dynamic in the run game, and he's dynamic in the passing game. And I think a lot of people get confused and think just because he's a fast guy, he's a quick guy, that he always has to be on the edge. You see the touchdown run he had against Tampa Bay. He's one cut downhill, and he's on the safety, and he's outrunning him to the end zone. And so he has the size to be able to run between the tackles. He has the quickness. He has the burst. He has the agility to be able to put one foot in the ground, i.e. Arian Foster back in the days that can put that one foot in the ground and get north and south, and now he's making the move on your safety. So Jameer Gibbs has definitely uh, been, been a bright spot in this in this offense. I know they've complained about him not getting enough touches or things like that, but I've said all along they've they've brought him along nicely. They've preserved his body. He, he should feel really good right now. He hasn't got banged up all season, and I think he's in a spot right now to where he can really be, you know, an X factor in his offense. So, Clover, one last thought. I think Brad Holmes has done an amazing job of putting that roster together and doing so with some young players. What about rookie Brian Branch, who played your position? He's at safety. What do you make of the job he's done? He's done a really, in my opinion, he's been great. What do you think, though? Man, he's been incredible since game one. I mean, he had the, the pick six against Patrick Mahomes on opening day. He's been consistently good all year. You know, obviously you're going to have some games that are better than others, but he's been productive in almost every game that I've seen. He's played well. To be a safety and to be able to match up in the slot against some of these dynamic slot receivers, some of these big-time tight ends, and to be able to hold your own over the course of a season as a rookie is incredible. And I think, you know, he has a really, really bright future. He's a smart guy, loves football, loves to play the game. And those are the type of guys that Brad Holm has. There, he has guys that love to play. They're young. They're hungry. They got a chip on their shoulder, and they're talented. They're very, very, very talented. I mean, this is a great class. I mean, like I say, you look at these guys. You got Jameer. You got Brian. You got Sam Laporte. You got Jack Campbell. Like this is a great, great rookie class, and all those guys are contributing well for this team. And Brian Branch is right there at the top. It's amazing. It looks very sustainable, too. He led the league in interceptions in 2014. He was a Pro Bowler that year. He was an All-Pro that year. He's got a podcast, the Believe in Lions podcast. Glover Quinn, my guest. My man, you were always great to have on this show when you played. Great still as an analyst right now. Really appreciate you. Great to get caught up, and I hope we can do it again soon, man. Thanks so much. All right, man. Thank you guys for having me. Let's go there right now. David in Santa Clara. Great to have you, David. What's up? What's up, Romy? The Niners didn't win that game. They lost it to a better team. Anyway, I'm going to go back to – I'm blaming. I'm out. I... No, you're not, dude. You're doing great. I was going to give you a golden ticket, You don't like that David. Call. I don't like that call. I was not thinking about giving you a call. golden ticket. Yeah, dude, you're flaming out. That was an all-time flame out. What, what the hell was that? Let's go to San Francisco, Jay. My man, the bar is not that high, Jay. Let's see if you can clear it. What's up, Jay? Romy, what up? You know, I sat back yesterday, man, and I gave Lions fan a chance to live. Because I get it, man, it's been 30 years, right? Call after call they sat there in their squeaky-ass, annoying 92 Ford Ranger that pollutes the environment, but that's okay. I mean, seriously, get a Tesla. But I'll tell you, Rome, unfortunately for this year's NFL darling, the clock is going to strike midnight, man, on the Honolulu Blue all thanks to the boogeyman of the Bay Area. I mean, the 49ers, they're just on a whole nother level, man. Kittle, Trent Williams, Devo, these guys are hungry for a chip. And it's been a cute story. It really has room. But come Sunday afternoon, the Detroit Lions will leave Santa Clara, California, broken down, beaten, just like the vehicles that line up and down that cesspool that is Detroit, Michigan. 
I'm out, Rome. Detroit, you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but rock him. Rock him. Tesla driving, 49er fan. Quote, you're a cute little story, but you're going to leave Santa Clara, California, in your Honolulu blue, beaten down like your vehicles that are lined up in that cesspool that is your city. That's harsh. Fabian in L.A. Fabian, where do you come out on this? Yes, sir. Good morning, Rome. This is the deal, bro. A true Ram fan, honestly, like, uh, you know, when they left L.A., it's like, who cares? When they went over there, who cares, right? But when when it's your team, the only one. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you could lose, I don't know, 14 games out of 16 or whatever, whatever. But the only thing that is important is the 49ers, okay? And, you know, just saying that they're important, it makes me feel messed up because it is not important. They're not important. They are the worst ever. I'm sorry, you know, which reminds me about this Lakers things too, by the way. I know I'm going to jump all over the place, but that little banner, you know, it'll be cool, I guess. If, I don't know, if you collect five of those things, you could get ripped one of the other teams, like the Celtics or something. But even then, that's pretty stupid. Anyways, Rome, uh, I wanted to say that, yeah, a two Rams fan hates the 49ers. And you know what, Detroit, go all day, baby. When the when the Rams got eliminated this past season, it was also beautiful to see the Cowboys get eliminated. And I don't know about that, eh? That little satisfaction, maybe there's a number two. Fabian, 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 Shark, Shark, bro, Shark, Shark, get to the beach, Fabian. Fabian, swim. Get to the beach. Shark, Shark, Shark. My man, as always, thank you for being the voice of reason. Good night now!